Hunger Games, and may the odds be ever in your favor. You're listening to Paideia, and I'm Cassie Michael. Welcome back to Paideia. It has been a long while since I have dived into this podcasting hobby of mine, and one of my favorite series, my favorite stories, The Hunger Games. But I'm glad to be back at it and dive into and think deeply about chapter 18. What a chapter. What a important, pivotal, climactic, emotional, heartbreaking chapter in this novel. Can't wait to dive into it all with you all on this episode. Thank you for listening. Spoiler warning! This episode contains spoilers, not only for the Hunger Games trilogy, but as I make connections to things, it may contain spoilers for other content. So listen at your own discretion. Welcome back to Paideia. Today we're talking about chapter 18 of The Hunger Games. When we left, Katniss had just heard Rue's scream and she had been hit with the spear um, by the boy in District 1. And this chapter, of course, picks up right there. Before the boy from District 1 can draw his spear to injure Katniss, Katniss draws her bow and sends an arrow that fatally kills the boy from District 1. This is her first kill, the first person who has died because of her actions where she knew she would, they would die. Katniss then finds Rue, asks her if there are more people around her. Rue reassures her that there are not, and then Rue asks Katniss to sing. She's hurt and dying. Katniss holds her in her arms and sings to fulfill Rue's dying wish as Rue passes, and it's such a heart-wrenching scene and uh, just so sad. When Rue passes and her cannon goes off, Katniss decides to take a bunch of different flowers and decorate or outline Rue's body, give Rue a little more dignity in her death, Show the capital that Rue is not just a piece in these games. She's more than that. She's Rue. She's a person. And she has her own unique value. Um, Katniss um, receives bread from District 11 after Rue's death. Then she um, eats food and deals with her grief and the aftermath of having killed the boy from District 1 and she has to hunt. A day passes where no one dies, so an uneventful day. 
in these Hunger Games, and Katniss wonders, when's the next catastrophe going to happen? How are they going to draw us back together, make things more interesting? And then at the end of the chapter, the trumpets blare, and it's Caesar Flickerman giving the announcement that more than two people can win. Oh, he gives the rule change that two people can be declared winners if they are from the same district and from the and are the last two people alive. And Katniss calls out Peta's name. So that's what happened in the chapter, if it's been a while for you. Um, some things just off the bat that I notice about this chapter is how present Peta is in it. He's at the end with Katniss saying his name, but we also get glimpses and flashes of Peta throughout this chapter, even we don't see him physically. Um, after Ruas died, Katniss thinks back to Peta on the roof. Then I remember Peta's words on the roof. Only, I keep wishing I could think of a way to, to show the capital they don't own me, that I'm more than just a piece in their games. And for the first time, I understand what he means. I want to do something right here, right now, to shame them, to make them accountable, to show the capital that whatever they do or force us to do, there is a part of every tribute they can't own. That Rue was more than a piece in their games, and so am I. And when District 11 sends the bread, we see Peta again. I flash back to Peta's lesson on the various district breads in the training center. This bread came from District 11. I cautiously lift the still warm loaf. What must it have cost the people of District 11 who can't even feed themselves? How many would have to do without to scrape up a coin to put in the collection for this one loaf? It had been meant for Rue, surely. But instead of pulling the gift when she died, it authorized Hamish to give it to me as a thank you? Or because, like me, they don't like to let debts go unpaid. For whatever reason, this is a first, a district gift to a tribute who's not your own. So we see that flash of Peta there. Also. Um... And he's been present in other chapters, but not as present in, in the forethought of Katniss's mind as he is in this chapter. Um, and this act with the bread and Katniss's act of placing the wildflowers and weeds... Um, and decorating her body in flowers. That's where I find the first theme, resistance, rebellion, um, especially after having read um, A Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, 
and learning more about the creation of the games and the rationale behind the games. The enormity of one district sending a gift to a different di district's tribute, it is so much resistance and so much rebellion. It's so much going against what's expected, against what the capital wants. The capital wants the districts to be enemies with the other districts. That's part of the Hunger Games. If the districts are enemies with the other districts, if they're competing against the other districts, the other districts' children, they're forced to watch District 2's tribute kill their friend, their daughter, their son, their cousin, etc., then the districts won't unite because of the hatred between them and they won't unite against the capital. So District 11, sending Katniss a gift is just so huge and such a beautiful act of resistance. And Katniss, you know, not doing what's expected, not moving away so they could collect their body, singing for Rue, grieving Rue, um, forming that relationship, choosing to love Rue and treat Rue with kindness and love is such an act of resistance. And giving Rue's death dignity Oh, I'm going to read the passage because it's just so powerful and such a... I just don't have words. A few steps into the woods grows a bank of wildflowers. Perhaps they are really weeds of some sort, but they have blossoms in beautiful shades of violet and yellow and white. I gather up an armful and come back to Rue's side. Slowly, one stem at a time, I decorate her body in the flowers, covering the ugly wound, wreathing her face, weaving her hair with bright colors. They'll have to show it, or even if they choose to turn the cameras elsewhere at this moment, they'll have to bring them back when they collect the bodies, and everyone will see her then and know I did it. I step back and take a look at Rue. She could really be asleep in the meadow, after all. Bye, Rue, I whisper. Press the three middle fingers of my left hand against my lips and hold them out in her direction. And I walk away without looking back. So obviously, in this chapter, a theme we have is grief. The grief of Rue. Um, the loss of Rue. And Katniss meets this grief with resistance. And she also is definitely angry. And she wants revenge. Um, you know, at some point in the chapter, she says if she came across everyone, she would. Um, just kill them and her anger um, 
she's of course angry at the boy from District 1. Um, but she places anger and blame on the Capitol. Um, it's the Capitol I hate for doing this to all of us. Gail's voice is in my head. His ravings against the Capitol, no longer pointless, no longer to be ignored. Rue's death has forced me to confront my own fury against the cruelty and the injustice they inflict upon us. But here, even more strongly than at home, I feel my impotence. There's no way to take revenge on the Capitol. Is there? Um, you know, part of me thinks that Katniss is honoring and grieving Rue as she's dying. She's saying goodbye and she's letting her go. And she honors Rue with a song. And the song is just so beautiful and such beautiful poetry for Rue passing from living to the afterlife. Rue's life is full of danger, full of hunger, full of injustice, and full of probably coldness. Um, but the chorus, here it's safe, here it's warm, here the daisies guard you from every harm, here your dreams are sweet and tomorrow brings them true, here is the place where I love you. It almost speaks to me of an afterlife, um, not necessarily a heaven, but a different place from where Rue is, a place where Rue's going, and perhaps there's comfort in that. Um, this is a song Katniss used to sing for Prim when she was sick. It's what my music teacher calls mountain air. The words are easy and soothing, promising tomorrow will be more hopeful than this awful piece of time we call today. That brings me to another theme I saw in this chapter, hope. I see hope in the song. Hope that Rue is going to another place and the comfort that comes with it. And I also see hope later in the chapter. Hope that Katniss can win. We've seen glimpses of it in other chapters. Um, but when Katniss thinks about the careers and what they're going to do, if they're going to figure out she did it, what will happen if Cato wins? Um, she says, she told Rue she would win. But I told Rue I'd be there for both of us. And somehow that seems even more important than the vow I gave Prim. So she now has another promise, another thing driving and propelling her to win. I really think I stand a chance of doing it now. Winning. It's not just having the arrows or outsmarting the careers a few times. 
Although those things help. Something happened when I was holding Rue's hand, watching the life drain out of her. Now I am determined to avenge her, to make her loss unforgettable. And I can only do that by winning and thereby making myself unforgettable. So, um, there's some more hope um, amid the grief. Now, for the questions I have from this chapter. Um, with this chapter opening with a kill, my question is, what is the price of taking a life? What's the emotional toll? Um, in a good place sense, because I've watched The Good Place, how many negative points is that? Even if you were doing it for survival, even if you had no other choice, it's got to take a toll, and in a way, it's got to be traumatic. Um, I think I talked about this with Ender's Game, but I've also, um, I see it many other places. Um, I see it on Bones with Booth and his grief almost, his, um, maybe grief isn't the word, but his pain that comes from his past of being his sniper, his pain whenever he had to take the life of a murderer to protect himself or the woman he loves. Although with him being a cop, him killing suspects, that is pretty problematic. Even if they are guilty and even if it has been proven, that is problematic. Um, but I see it here too. And Katniss kind of gives us a sort of an answer. Um, she says, my brain begins to replay the events from yesterday. I keep seeing Ruth's beard, my arrow piercing the boy's neck. I don't know why I should even care about the boy. Then I realize he was my first kill. Along with other statistics they report to help people place their bets, every tribute has a list of kills. I guess technically I'd get credited for Glimmer and the girl from District 4, too, for dumping that nest on them, but the boy from District 1 was the first person I knew would die because of my actions. Numerous animals have lost their lives at my hands, but only one human. I hear Gail saying, how different can it be, really? Amazingly similar in the execution. A bow pulled, an arrow shot, entirely different in the aftermath. I killed a boy whose name I don't even know. Somewhere his family is weeping for him. His friends call for my blood. Maybe he had a girlfriend who really believed he would come back. But then I think of Rue's still body, and I'm able to banish the boy from my mind at least for now. Um, and, you know, I'm thinking of Harry Potter, of course. 
was there a price Harry had to pay for taking Voldemort's life? Is there a price he had to pay for the Horcruxes he destroyed? For the diary? Um, obviously Dumbledore paid a price for destroying the ring and that was his health and his hand and it led to his eventual death. Um, in a way, taking a life is kind of like a trauma, it seems. Um, definitely one of the horrors and traumas that make the game so horrible is really the only word for it. Um, and then, how do we grieve? There are so many different ways we grieve different cultures have a different way of grieving and I think on a personal level we all grieve differently. Um, this past November um, my grandma died and I attended her funeral and um, participated in that very Catholic way of grieving because she was Catholic. Um, but, I don't know, how do we honor the life that's lost? How do we stay connected? How do we go on? Because life goes on, you know? One way I've been honoring my grandma, feeling connected to her, is by baking and making her recipes. I'm very fortunate to have a family cookbook and have her recipes preserved for me to bake and it keeps her alive through her food and I can think back on my good memories with her. Um, I guess the example we get from Katniss is that she makes a promise to Rue and she takes her grief and it's vengeance, it's resistance, it's anger. And she's going to honor Rue by winning. And I'm interested to see how Rue stays with her through the next books. I haven't really paid attention to that when I've been reading before. But I want to see how Rue stays with her. Um as she becomes the Mockingjay and as the capital is overthrown. And then, I guess my last question that I thought of was, how do we die a good death? But that makes me think, is there even such a thing as a good death? Um, how do we die with dignity um, and I don't know uh, you know I think of Rue's death and it's horrific in ways because it's occurring during the Hunger Games but then in other ways it's she's not dying alone 
she has someone who loves her in a way because Katniss definitely in a way loves Prim um, you know they might not be family they might not even be friends but Rue is not alone and Rue's death you know becomes a moment that you know helps contribute to a rebellion it stands for something her death is not in vain because of what she meant to Katniss and because of what it led Katniss to do so there's some good things about that death when people see the close-up of her body they'll see the beautiful flowers around it they won't see her wounds her blood because Katniss covered them and decorated her body and in some ways I think that was giving dignity to her um, she had some sense of control over her death well she didn't want to die obviously but in her last moments she wanted to hear music she wanted Katniss to sing and she got that um, I think that's maybe another thing that I don't know I don't know um, those were some of my thoughts another thing I noticed through here is how often I saw the word hate the word hate and hate probably you could make the argument as a theme in this chapter um, but that was interesting to note and as I've been discussing it I've noticed that not only do we have this presence of PETA with the bread and with his um, thoughts back in the Capitol roof, but Katniss is also thinking of Gail, thinking of Gail's musings on the Capitol when they've been out in the woods hunting and thinking of Gail's words to her um, that killing a human is not so much different from hunting he told her that when he left um, it's interesting what her thoughts of these two characters call her to PETA's calls her to resistance to rebellion um, they help her recognize the significance of the gift she's been given and Gales help her recognize what's within her and help her process her own emotions. And it's interesting to me that they're both present in the same chapter when perhaps they haven't been as present in Katniss's mind or in readers' minds um, in some of the rest of the chapters. So that's where I'm going to leave it today. Um, I hope you enjoyed my musings and my thoughts and my monologuing. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Paideia. Join me next time. <laughs>